This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, make sure you check out my weekly Instagram Live. I do that every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, that may be a tough time to listen, but it's a time that works for me. Um, and, and I'm trying to get into the habit of doing regular lives every week as well. Um, I think I, I missed yesterday's, well, we taped this on Friday. Uh, I missed yesterday's. I might've even missed last week's, but I'm trying to get better at it. Um, and so it's just spend 15 minutes. We check in, we talk about what else, public relations, any kind of breaking news, any kind of stuff that's, you know, happening in real time. We share some thoughts and I always like to hear from you. Um, so make sure you check that out. We do it all right here from the PR garage where we also take the podcast and where I work, uh, five days out of the week. Uh, so check it out again, the Instagram live it's on my personal handle at Jody Fisher on Instagram. Uh, and let's check in every Thursday at 2 PM Eastern. Now on with our show today, we got a great guest. Joe Zappa is the CEO and of Sharp Pen Media. He's founder and CEO of Sharp Pen Media. And he's a content marketer, journalist, and academic who's created and driven content programs for dozens of businesses. He was the editor of the MarTech trade publication Street Fight from 2018 to 2023. At Sharp Pen now, he leads a team of content marketing professionals to become their customers' only option through a bespoke three-step process of narrative building, editorial planning, and content creation that is executed by CMOs, journalists, veteran content strategists, and world-class writers and editors. Joe Zappa, welcome to the PR Podcast. Jody, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for singing my elaborate praises. Absolutely. We're happy to do it here. This is this is a this is an all love zone over here. Um, tell us about Sharp Pen Media. When did you create Sharp Pen? I founded Sharp Pen two years ago. We do marketing strategy, content, and PR for ad tech and martech companies. I was a journalist in the industry for five or six years before I started the agency. And so uh, I was transitioning from journalism to marketing. And of what did I do? The first thing I did was hit up all my PR friends who had been pitching me for years and say, hey, tell me a little bit more about what you do. And they were like, yeah, you've been editing these pieces we've been sending you for years. Why don't you try writing them? And so I did. And now we're here. <laughs> That's great. How how was it starting your own business? You know, I just went out on my own just about six or seven months ago myself after working. Mm -hmm. I've been working in PR for 25 years, but starting the business was something new for me. Tell me how that went for you. Yes, yeah, starting the business was exciting. I think in the beginning, you're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to talk to everyone you've ever met and, um, you know, create opportunities. And then once you get a stable number of clients, then the real work begins, right? Because then it's about figuring out uh, how do I hire people? How do I work with a team? How do I make this, you know, functional beyond just me rushing around doing everything? Yeah, rushing around doing everything is a functional phrase there, right? For yeah. for us uh, newer business owners, um, tell me a little bit about Sharp Pen Media. What what is the approach you take to the work that you do with your clients? Yeah, I think two things distinguish us. One is that uh, we specialize in ad tech and martech. There are only a handful of firms that serve this industry. To my knowledge, there are no other content firms that serve the industry. Uh, the other is the people in the process we deploy. So 
Uh, most of my team, they have the academic and journalistic background that I do. I did a PhD in literature and I was a, a reporter and editor before I started my uh, marketing firm. So I hire people with really deep, you know, writing and editing capabilities, really good thinkers, um, and train them up on ad tech and martech. And then I also have collaborators who are, you know, have been the CMO of firms that sold for nine figures in our industry or firms that are public. And so I think it's the combination of those people who really get the space and are really great uh, writers and thinkers, and then the process. And the main thing with the process, and I don't know if you've seen this in starting up your own firm, is just that um, we we essentially have two types of customers. One is more mature and like build big marketing teams and they, they sort of have a plan and then they plug us into that plan. But in ad tech and martech, my industry especially, a lot of the customers are uh, early stage companies and they don't have a strategy. They don't have a marketing strategy. And so the we realized after a couple of years of doing this, so honestly, mainly in the last like six to 12 months, like I realized that it wasn't enough to come in and just start doing PR or doing content. We had to help our customers develop a marketing strategy uh, and so now we do uh, strategic engagements where I bring in someone with a lot of strategy experience and we interview the firm's customers, we interview the executives, we interview the marketing team if there is any, and we really figure out uh, what is the story, what products are we trying to support, where is this business headed, and then we do the PR and content part instead of starting with the latter. Um, a great segue and a reminder, I just spoke to a class of young PR professionals just the other day, or I guess aspiring PR professionals because they're in mm -hmm. college. Um, but I I am uh, always keen to emphasize that as well, that any kind of marketing or public relations or public communications uh, kind of a campaign has always got to start with the business goal in mind. The goal is never the newspaper article or the TV interview or the what have you, or or even the ad campaign, right? That's not the goal. The, the, all those things are vehicles that get you to where your goal is. And your goal is selling your widget or supporting your nonprofit or doing all that stuff. How do you work? What's Do you have a process where you, where you sort of onboard clients and you talk to them about that concept of what the goal is? Yeah, that's really well said. Let me see if I can validate that from my own experience with a story. I have a client, I've been working with them for a couple of years, and a lot of the marketing we've done, a lot of the content before we were doing strategy work was in support of uh, a new product they were launching. And we're currently doing a strategy review with them. And we found through doing the strategy review, which entailed talking to the executive team who are very excited about the new direction, and then talking to a handful of their customers, that the product maybe isn't resonating with the customers. And so we had been uh, writing content that was supposed to support this new business direction that was having trouble. Uh, gaining support on the sales end, gaining customers. And then when you actually talk to a handful of customers and they're all kind of dubious about the the new direction, you realize like, this isn't a marketing problem. This is like a product slash like business problem, right? So what I'm saying is that if you don't, especially with a smaller company, if you, that doesn't have a team of marketing professionals, if you don't do the business level review first, like if you don't understand what are this company's products, which of them are actually working, what are their customers excited about, then you risk spending a lot of time 
doing PR and content on behalf of products or strategic directions that aren't going to be fruitful. And the kicker there is like, you can be a great PR person for a product that doesn't have a constituency. Like you could get, you know, you could get coverage in the media and um, write, you know, white papers that get tons of downloads. But if the product on behalf of which you're doing that content and PR work uh, isn't landing, then ultimately you're not being effective because you're driving a PR outcome without a business outcome. Yeah, that's an awful lot of awful lot of smoke with no fire, I guess might be a, a decent analogy. Um, it also probably drives towards what I know that you are very passionate about, which is measuring success. Um, and it's the big bugaboo in public relations. You know, how do we measure and what's the yardstick that we use? Is it impressions? Is it ad value? Is it what? How do you go about measuring and describing that ROI that you just talked about with your clients? Yeah, I think marketing success needs to be under to, understood on two levels. Uh, so the the level that the board and the CEO and the people who are ultimately going to cut the checks for marketing really care about is revenue. And that's where you need to have that business level conversation to like level with the CRO, the CEO, whoever it is, and say like, okay, where do we want to be at on it? as a business from a revenue perspective and how is marketing going to support that? Uh, and you can, uh, you know, you can measure pipeline and revenue and all that stuff and sort of have a conversation where you come to an agreement with them about like, how are we going to understand, you know, marketing's contributions to this? Um, and uh, do we, do we align on that? Then the other thing is though, because like you're not going to see a revenue impact immediately with PR and content, uh, I think you need leading indicators. And this is the stuff often that people like uh, denigrate in the industry, right? Where they're like, oh, well, if you're on social media, like, you know, likes and comments don't mean anything or followers don't mean anything. They're vanity metrics. And it's like, well, I would say they're leading indicators, right? So like they are vanity metrics in the sense that ultimately revenue is more important, but they're not in the sense that like they tell you whether what you're doing is gaining traction and resonating with your audience. And then it's your job to move them down that funnel. And ultimately they become sales opportunities, but it's not meaningless if you're, you know, getting a bunch of comments every week on your LinkedIn post from your target audience. Um, and if those people are ultimately becoming uh, sales opportunities. That's a great way to describe it. And and um, I think I'm going to steal a little bit of that myself because um, I've always walked the line on, on you know, what you said, vanity metrics, right? Well, okay, likes and shares and comments may not be dollars in your cash register, but might they become dollars in your cash register? Yeah, maybe someday uh, or some other type of engagement, however you define dollars in your cash register, right? Um, but it's it's so challenging, I think, to to measure and to put a value to that, as you said, that the the C-suite can wrap their brain around because usually the only metrics they wrap their brain around are the ones that are preceded by a dollar sign. Um, and so yeah. closing that gap and that, that understanding gap of what metrics on the PR, the marketing side mean to the metrics of the cash register, I think are incredibly important. Um, I know that you uh, have written a, a few different pieces 
um, that I found really interesting. One of them was about how you get stuck executing tactics and how to make strategy your North Star. Let's talk a little bit about strategy and how that can guide your efforts. Yeah, I think ultimately strategy breaks down to three things in marketing. It's what are your narratives? Like, what are you saying? Do your customers actually care? And how does it differentiate you? What are the channels? So where are you showing up with that message? And then thirdly, what we just talked about, how are you going to measure success? I think where a lot of marketers get stuck is that they go immediately to number two, which is the channel question, which is like, where are we going to show up? So it's like, you're, you know, in PR, it's like you go too quickly to, okay, well, we're starting the engagement if it's an agency, or I just got my new job as director of comms for this company. And it's like, here are the 20 reporters we need to get in front of, or the 20 publications. It's like, that's important. That's part of the process. But also like, what are you going to say to them? You know, like when you do show up, what are you going to say? And how does it support that business direction? Because that's, again, to go back to an earlier part of our conversation, where you can get in trouble if it's like, what if you're having all the success in the world getting in all of your industry trade publications, uh, but you're not saying something that's really advancing the cause of the business? Yeah, it's the old, we need to be everywhere, or we need to be in the New York Times. And, and the conversation that I usually have sounds like, well, are your is your audience in the New York Times? Are the people you want to be reaching reading the New York Times? Just to name a, a publication that I only hear like ten times a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, um, but, the Wall but it's a great Street point. Journal, and and you're, yeah, you're... the Wall Street Journal. I mean, it's like fill fill in the blank, right? We've all heard that come across the table at us. You know, we need to be in the blank. Um, and and many times that's not where the audience is. How do you walk them through finding their audience? How do you how do you communicate with them? You know, is it a SWOT analysis or is it some kind of other um, marketing analysis that you do to figure out where their where their potential customers are? Yeah, well, what we usually start with is who are your best customers um, and then finding out where are they? Because part of the strategic review is talking to uh, a handful of their customers to get an understanding, not what they love about themselves, but uh, what their customers love about them. And then finding out also, okay, well, where do you go? Um, and I remember once, like I got a LinkedIn comment from someone who's like, you should never have to ask, you know, where their customers are. And I just completely disagree with that. Like, you know, they're the expert on their business, right? Like, and then, and even more so, their customers are the experts on themselves. So you, you can't just assume these things or you end up running the same playbook for every company, which isn't ideal. That sounds bonkers to me. I mean, I always have a similar conversation with my clients where I do ask them where they get their, you know, their, their media information from. Where do they get their news? And what publications are they reading on a regular basis? Because nine times out of 10, that's where their peers are getting their information. And of course, they want to be, you know, in the same pond as as all their peers. It just makes sense. Um, but also, that's probably where their customers are. Um, and so if they see value in a particular thing, we want to at least be aware of those outlets. Um, and let's be honest, there are so many media outlets out there that, you know, it never hurts to ask, you know, what do you find important? We still have to articulate what's important. But it's always good to ask. Um, that's that's a that's a great story. Um, you also um, do a lot of content creation. 
in your business, right? How do you, and you said you've hired a lot of world-class uh, content creators. How do you think about creating content? What's your philosophy behind creating content with, uh, with a client and what types of content do you create for them? I think the most important thing is to have done that strategic differentiation work up front before writing the content. So, you know, I could get up on the soapbox and say, you know, you have to implement this process and, you know, bad PR people don't do this and whatever. But I think we all know actually that the reason that content gets written spontaneously and without having done the strategic work up front is because people are busy. Other people in the organization don't want to spend a lot of time doing like a messaging review. They like, you have to get someone on the phone and at best they're going to give you 30 minutes. Um, so it's not that like marketers don't want to do like really thoughtful content creation that begins with like an assessment of the strategy and how we're going to differentiate the business and say something that resonates with our customers. It's that they're often just isn't the time to do that or that it's hard to get other people in the organization to get on board with that process. But I think that's where marketers really need to advocate for ourselves. Uh, and we need to say like, when someone says, oh, could you write this byline without talking to me, right? We need to say, I could write it without talking to you, but then all I'm going to be able to do, because I don't have the very smart thoughts that are in your head, is regurgitate what everyone else is already saying in our industry. And it's not going to differentiate us. And even if we get it published, nothing is going to happen. So I think that is where most corporate content falls short. And that taking the time to do that differentiation work is what really creates uh, quality content. Great, great point. And, and you're totally right. I've, I find that many clients, um, or let's put it this way, the clients that are somewhat disengaged take that approach. Um, it's the approach of, well, I hired you, go do it for me. Um, and, and I always caution my clients uh, when I'm speaking with them right up front, you know, when we're onboarding or even when we're in the, in the, the, the phase of we're trying to win the business, saying that public relations and the art of creating content, whether it's that byline or that news release or that story pitch or whatever, it is a very um, active process. Uh, I need the information from you in order to make the thing that I'm pitching out the best it can be. And only you know, as you so eloquently put it, you know, what the true thoughts are, no, not only what you want to convey, but what's going to make the most sense. What's, what's, uh, what's tangible about um, the, the thing that you want to say. What does world content, world-class content actually mean? I mean, people can probably abuse, use and abuse that world-class phrase. What do you, you think world-class content actually is? I think it's a combination of process and people. So we spoke about the process. I think the other thing for anyone hiring a PR content agency to consider, in particular hiring someone in-house even, is uh, what are the writing credentials of that person? Um, so often, like when I was a journalist, I would get sent tons of uh, thought leadership bylines that we all knew were ghostwritten for executives in the industry by, you know, a PR team. Uh, and it became very clear to me that some of the PR agencies in the industry were farming out that content to, you know, 
junior either junior staffers or staffers who might have had plenty of experience but just weren't professional writers like they were they were PR people who maybe their forte was media relations right and occasionally they would write something um and so the writing you know it didn't have a voice uh it wasn't clearly differentiated it wasn't crisp uh and these things uh they do actually matter because not only are you less likely to get a piece accepted by an editor um, if it's not well written, uh, but when you when it does get past the editorial firewall and reach your customers, um, if it's not exciting, if it's not extremely well argued, if it's not differentiated, it's not going to have an impact on your business. It's like splattering really bad ad creative all over. Yeah, Jackson Pollock style, right? Nothing wrong with Jackson Pollock's art, but uh, <laughs> it was a bit messy. <laughs> right, exactly. It, do you see now with all the hubbub about uh, about AI, uh, you know, writing everything and coming for our jobs and all that stuff, where do you fall on AI? Do you use it at all? And how do you use it in a creative way? Yeah, um, I don't really use it if I can be sinful and honest. Um, you know, I think the hype around AI is really overblown. I think it is going to have a big impact on business. And I, you know, I'm an ad tech, so I think there are areas of business where it's been having an impact for a lot of years and will continue to have a huge one, like in, you know, allocating ads or um, like allocating ads to the right places where they'll hit the right audience or dynamically optimizing creative to show someone the best possible ad given their characteristics. Like in those like sort of instantaneous permutation um, situations, I think AI will have a big impact. In areas where the, uh, the content actually requires a tremendous amount of original thinking and nuance and even like uh, reflecting the voice of a given individual, I think AI will be much slower to have a disruptive impact. Uh, one of my clients is the director of comms for a global e-commerce tech company. And what something he once said to me about this is anyone who thinks that generative AI is going to replace executive byline ghostwriters has never dealt with an executive, right? That's like these people have very <laughs> high standards, you know. Oh, but we've never experienced that, Joe, have we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great stuff. That is great stuff, and a great place to uh, to wind up our conversation here. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think AI is replacing. I think AI is going to replace mediocre writers. I don't think mm -hmm. it's going to replace good writers because good writers and great writers. Um, do exactly what you just said. They really hit the nail on the head. They take the idea that is in someone else's brain and they make it compelling in a, in a way to tell a story to somebody else and in a way that is, uh, as my friend Peter Shankman once described, thumb-stopping content as you're scrolling mm -hmm. on your phone. Well, let's segue now, Joe, if we can, into the rapid-fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the Actors Studio and ask our guests a series of rapid-fire questions meant to elicit a simple answer, maybe a laugh or two with your indulgence. Joe Zappa, here we go. Rapid-fire question number one. What is your favorite news source? In my industry, my favorite news source is Ad Exchanger. Uh, in general, probably the New York Times. I'm just... Uh... Typical New York Times boy. 
Can't take the New York out of the boy, right? Rapid fire question number two. What's your favorite social media platform? Uh, I think Reddit is the most uh, engaging. I spend a lot of time on the Reddit tennis uh, page, for example. Uh, I think LinkedIn is the most collegial and sort of the nicest place to be for professionals who want to politely exchange ideas. Got to agree with you there. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? Uh, I am a coffee man. I actually quit alcohol some time ago and I have two coffees a day. So have to say coffee. There you go. I'm in the same boat. Rapid fire question number four. What's your favorite on the run food? Mm, on the run food. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a uh, lifter bro, I started eating these protein bars recently, and I'm <laughs> I'm really okay. into them. Uh, also, I really like Greek yogurt. Oh right! Oh, you know what? Nothing nothing tastes quite like a good authentic Greek pita and and tzatziki. It's mm. just it's like perfect, isn't it? I would agree. Good stuff. All right. And the rapid fire question number five, what do you want to be after you finish this career? Mm, yes, a profound question. Um, I do think I would continue writing in some capacity. Uh, I already write uh, creative things for fun. As I said, I did a I did grad school in literature. So maybe I would start a like a literary criticism substack that would be just for fun if we're assuming that in this hypothetical career, I'm not too worried about monetization. Well, those are great answers, Joe. And this has been a great conversation. Thanks for spending time with us. Please let people know how they can find you online. Yeah, you can find me either at sharppenmedia.com or just search Joe Zappa LinkedIn, and I'm sure I'll pop up and would love to hear from you. Sounds good, Joe. Thanks again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at JodyFisherPR.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.